welcome to Contrast. I am Bethany Granberg, and my husband Josh is with me. And on this podcast, we will compare and contrast our artistic journey, creative process, and philosophies on art making. How are you doing, Josh? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? <laughs> I am fantastic. So Josh just finished a heavy metal detox and we are waiting, hoping, praying that that was effective in helping him get past this year long mysterious illness journey. But it'll be a month or two before we really know if he is better. Yeah, it's it's seeming like I am doing better. So that's great. I have a little bit more energy. My mind is a little clearer. And just a word of advice, stay away from heavy metals such as lead and mercury and all that kind of stuff. And all you artists out there, really pay attention to what pigments you're using. We don't think that that's where I got my lead poisoning, um, but it's still something to keep in mind. We think that the lead probably came from a house he remodeled a few years ago um, in Arkansas. But yes, watch your paints. Don't inhale. Try not to touch them. I mean, don't not inhale. Obviously, you have to breathe. (laughs) Breathe. (laughs) Try to be in a ventilated space. Don't inhale them directly. (laughs) Get a good air filter. Don't sniff your paints. Yeah, it's important. Solvent. It was really scary and serious. They went through all kinds of possibilities of what his diagnosis could be, eliminated a lot of scary things, but it was terrifying. I thought for a couple months that maybe he was dying, but we're doing better. Life is moving forward. But today, well, yeah, hopefully I'm past it. Um, I'll get, hopefully I'll get stronger and stronger and continue to improve and create art. And good things hopefully will come of it all. And last week, I shared um, how I've kind of gotten to where I am, um, especially philosophically speaking as an artist. So this week, we're going to, I'm going to interview Bethany. So let's just jump right in. The first question, what was your relationship with art growing up? Well, I don't have... A super interesting answer to that question. I <laughs> I liked art. I played around with it some, like probably like an average kid, but not especially more so than than any other kid. I don't think. Um, I didn't take a special interest in it until eighth grade when I was in an honors art class and um, really. Where were you? Where were you in eighth grade? Uh, My family lived in Maryland. My dad was in the Air Force, so we moved around to different places. And eighth grade was our last year in Maryland. So we were in Silver Spring right outside of D.C. at the time. And my eighth grade art teacher was all set to send me to a magnet school that focused on art. And she was excited about that. And I would have been, except I knew that my family was moving. So that wasn't going to happen. Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, but I just, I really enjoyed it and seemed to do well in that class. Um, Like really nothing I had done before that stood out. 
And probably that was the first time that anything I did stood out from my peers that I just really excelled in the class. So, and, and really enjoyed it. And I think my teacher, her name was Mrs. Joyce. Uh, her encouragement of me in that really made an impact also. Like besides not excelling at any particular thing as a kid, no adult, <laughs> no adult acted like I did. You know, no one, I mean, it's probably because I didn't, <laughs> but like I didn't have specific encouragement. I'm sure that was not true. <laughs> I mean, people were nice to me, but you know, she was just, she was just very encouraging. Yeah. That's that great. I had like special talent in that area. So that was eighth grade. Did that kind of continue throughout high school? Yeah. So not really. <laughs> not, not at first. Um, <laughs> we moved to San Antonio, Texas after that. And I went to school on the Air Force Base. I went to school on base and it was a pretty small school and they had just little to no art program. The art class that I was in was really lame. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it really showed me the contrast between a good art teacher and a bad art teacher that, you know, yeah. poor guy, maybe he did his best. I don't know. My, my memory as a like 14 and 15 year old of that teacher was that he sat at his desk and didn't really teach us anything and oh. gave us like one sentence prompts to like go draw something. And that was it. And it was so lame that I transferred out of the class at some point, even though I loved art. So now I'm an art teacher and I want to be the good kind of art teacher that does not make art loving students transfer out of art class. That is really sad. And then we moved to Prattville, Alabama, where I had a wonderful art teacher or two different art teachers at that school, actually, that the program was awesome. And I was able to jump in and take and take art both years, 11th and 12th grade. I took AP art there and again, had a wonderful teacher. You know, again, I kind of excelled and could see that this was something that I that I did well in, you know, kind of stood out from, from peers at that level. And I went on to, I started college as an art major, which, you know, I don't think I would have done if I hadn't had such a good art program. My art teacher in high school paid me to do a portrait painting of her daughter. And I think I really realized then like how highly she really thought of me. Cause you know, you never know when a teacher or an adult like tells you you're good. It's like, are they just yeah. being nice? So I don't know. But like for her to choose me out of all her students to paint her granddaughter, did I say daughter? I meant granddaughter um, to paint her baby granddaughter. Then that was definitely a compliment and told yeah, me that's a huge like, what she thought of, of my ability. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Do you think kind of your, community like the peer group around you helped you kind of fall in love with art as well or do you think it was more just your ability and being recognized and the teaching or was it more than that I think it started out as my of of just my own enjoyment and ability I do think community made a big difference in that my AP art teacher she was not just good at teaching individual skill she 
really set up a sense of camaraderie and community in the class. For instance, in the AP art class, we chose like a class name at the beginning and of the of the year and we each each class designed a ceiling tile with all of our pictures on it with the theme of that name like the class before me was the AP Art Mafia and I actually forget what my class was <laughs> um, <laughs> I most of my friends were a year above me so that class the AP Art Mafia was <laughs> like stood out in my in my memory more <laughs> um, but when I was a senior we also had had a fun group and all my art friends in college, when we got out of college, we all talked about how much we missed that community that, um, like making art in a, in a studio space with others. Um, Yeah. That's very valuable. Yeah. Great. So that's kind of growing up. What do you think was kind of that deciding piece or that deciding moment when you decided that you were going to become an artist? So if you listen to the podcast last week, Josh had a moment like that, but I kind of didn't. Um, It sort of just slowly dawned on me that I couldn't avoid it, I think. (laughs) That's kind of fun, though. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I, I said I started art as a fine art major. I actually switched to graphic design part part of the way through. Um, I forget when, like sophomore, junior year. And that was really just practical. I just thought, hey, I'm going to have to get a job one day. Probably I can get a job easier with graphic design than as a fine artist. So (laughs) it just didn't seem practical to me. Like I was kind of afraid of going in that direction, but in a way it wasn't even that conscious. Like I didn't even really consider it because it just didn't seem practical. And I did like graphic design and I'm still glad that that was my major. I'm teaching it now. I've used it a ton, even though that hasn't been my career. I forget if I actually graduated yet or if I was just about to, I was in a small group and the leaders of that small group that were just like a brother and sister to me. Their names were Taylor and Elizabeth. (laughs) And Taylor asked me, if you could do anything in the world and money wasn't an option, what would you do? And I I didn't know. I, I wasn't really in the habit of thinking about my dreams and goals really specifically. But I thought about it and I was like, you know, I think I would just paint. And... <laughs> But like in my head, that was not a possibility. That was not, it was just like, it was just chatter. Wild dream. What? Just like a wild dream. Yeah. Like it was just an interesting question you say for conversation, not a real thing. And Taylor said, <laughs> okay, then we're going to pray for a studio for you. And I was like, what? <laughs> um, you know, Taylor, Taylor and Elizabeth really challenged me um, and that whole group, the whole community challenged me to start dreaming and start praying for, for things that were big and expecting that God could do things that I couldn't make happen myself or even imagine. <laughs> and it really took a while try- of learning that. And even still, it's it goes against goes against a little bit of my nature or upbringing or something to <laughs> have big dreams and yeah, and a, be brave enough to to pursue them and and pray for them. And if you know us personally, you might know that 
it might be a little bit of a ironic that she married me. <laughs> Who is the biggest dreamer. <laughs> uh, She's like, always like, Josh, that's not realistic. I know. Like, I, I, I know. It. That's okay. I mean, sometimes I just ask him, I'm like, are you being serious? Because if you're just having fun dreaming, I can like get in that <laughs> headspace with you and not be freaked out by it. But if you're serious, I also need to know that. And <laughs> Yeah, um, I usually have to preface what I'm about to say of I'm not being serious, but what if, and then I go off on some crazy thing. Yeah, he's, he's learned to do that more. <laughs> It's it's been good and stretching for me to realize it's okay for someone to just dream and talk and be creative. Like, you know, it's like a form of creativity in a way, a form of childlikeness, I think, in a good way. So <laughs> after college, I went and lived in Africa for a year in Togo, West Africa, and that was um that had nothing to do with art. I was teaching some missionaries kids. And I also did teach art there, but I never thought that I would teach. I thought that would be my one little like funny excursion into teaching, but not, not really be any part of the rest of my life. (laughs) And here I am. And then I came back from Africa and started getting asked to do a lot of paintings and getting paid for them. And it just happened. I was getting paid to paint and I wasn't getting paid to do graphic design. And I I looked, I looked for a graphic design job. I didn't find one. You know, I probably didn't look as hard as I could have because my heart just wasn't in it. And you were getting, you were getting commissions too. So yeah, I was getting commissions. I was living, I was making it. Um, I mean, I wasn't rich, but I was, Paying bills, paying and, bills and surviving. So you talked about getting your degree in graphic design and doing some fine arts with that. So how would you describe your art training? I did take extra fine art classes, extra painting classes. Graphic design was within the art department. I really feel like my graphic design classes helped me in the realm of learning to be creative and conceptualize more so than any of my fine art classes did. Mm -hmm. The college we went to um, just happened that the teachers were kind of more on the like realist side and they didn't emphasize ideation and creativity quite as much. Um, Whereas my graphic design classes really brainstorming and ideation. That was a huge thing. Part of every class that, that they really pushed us on and taught us techniques for. And I really credit more of the creativity in my art to, to that training um, Mm. that happened to come from graphic design classes, but definitely like applies. And then after college, You know, I think I grew a lot by a whole lot of practice. I think that's one of the best things you can do to to grow and develop as an artist or in anything. The massive time that I spent on it. And I also I did pursue a few art lessons on my own after that. I had some private lessons from an artist in Little Rock, just kind of developed kind of 
organically after college. I did not have as much technical training as Josh did. When do you think your style really became like uniquely yours? Because if you look at your work, you know, it's just so distinctly Bethany. Mm. And I suppose mine is too, like it's it's mine, but it's not quite as distinct as yours is. So when do you think you kind mm. of developed that? And what helped you develop that? That happened also kind of naturally, but with a couple like pushes. One artist that I talked to, a professional artist in Nashville who was very successful, I showed him my showed him my portfolio of artwork. Um pretty soon after getting back from Africa. And at that point was when I was trying to pursue that more. And um, actually he was a student of my art teacher, Mrs. Parker from Alabama. He he went to the same high school I did. Yeah. And so she connected cool. us on Facebook. He showed me around his studio and his gallery. He was a gallery owner and artist himself. He told me, your stuff is really good, but you don't have a voice. You need yeah. a recognizable, um, he didn't say style, but it, in, like that idea of voice, it, I think kind of includes style that stressed me out at the time, but it really did push me to develop that. Um, and it took a while because I, I couldn't just manufacture it in a yeah. false way because I thought that I needed to do that. Like it had, it had to be genuine and authentic to me and what I really wanted to do and what was in my heart as, you know, as much as that might sound kind of cliche. Um, so it took me, it probably took me two or three years after that point before I would say that I was developing more of my own voice. Um, and had, and had more of a consistent style. It also involved like when you accept something like surrender, surrender. Yes. It, it involved like surrendering to the <laughs> fact that I really am a watercolorist. <laughs> like yeah. before that I was trying to do oils and like, it's fine. I can do oil painting, but that voice and style that you're talking about is really within my watercolors. And, yeah, definitely. um, I was scared of watercolor. It, I didn't think that I was really awesome at it because it's just such a different medium. But the, the types of comments people made about my watercolors just started to catch my attention. I did some watercolor painting at the time and, and people would be like, wow, like you're good at art, but this is like magical. <laughs> or <laughs> like the way people complimented it it just had something, you know, I could tell that it really like caught them and their, their imagination and, and excitement in a different way. And so mm -hmm. I was like, well, maybe I should do watercolor. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I started to do that more and I don't know how long it was after that, that you know, I really had a dry spell in living in Circe. Um, it just felt like for months and months, nothing was happening. Like I didn't have a lot of inspiration artistically. Nothing was happening in my life. I couldn't see anything moving forward. Like I moved back to Circe from Nashville with a set of expectations about what was going to be happening in my life then. I mean, big things that I thought were happening and I got to Circe and none of them were happening. And that was really 
hard. It was really disappointing. It was really confusing. Like I had prayed about going back to Circe and I was like, God, what are you doing? Why am I here? Theoretically, I didn't want to live in a small town. I like in Arkansas, <laughs> I, I didn't want to live in Circe for itself. That's just where, honestly, where my heart was, where I felt led to, felt like in Nashville, I was just sort of hitting roadblocks and, and like, I, I wasn't getting a good job. I wasn't developing community. Um, and then I had this invitation to be part of some stuff going on in Circe. And I was like, well, okay, that's like, that's a community. That's a job. Um, it's all kinds of things that, yeah. that I want. So that was also sort of a surrender to like concede moving back to Circe, even though I never say never. I said I would never move back to Circe. <laughs> yeah. That's dangerous. Those are dangerous words. Yeah. Just don't do it. And it really ended up being like the best thing that happened. I loved, I ended up loving my time in Circe and stuff that happened there in my community, but it took a long time. And so for a while I felt like nothing was happening. I was considering giving up on trying to do art altogether. Um, and because when I got to Circe, I felt like God was really leading me to, to primarily focus on doing art and trust him to provide for me through that rather than uh -huh. like getting a full time, like quote unquote, regular job. And yeah. um, so it felt like not a lot was happening. I was not very satisfied. I, but I was like praying in that in that place of emotional and spiritual dryness and creative dryness. And in that place of dryness, I did my very first watercolor that I would say is within the style that I developed, which was my bike, my bike watercolor. We should link that. I'll link that. I didn't think this at the time, but looking back on it later, I was like, man, that was prophetic because that bike, I didn't know that was going to develop into this whole big group of work that would become me. Like, like you said, it would be distinctively like my thing. So out of that frustration and the yeah. unknown, and it's you not how kind I of felt. came alive. That watercolor, it looks so joyful. And that is not how I felt. Like I was really pissy, honestly. <laughs> like, like it's like splattering all these colors up behind the bike and um, it just looks so happy and it's not how I felt, but it is, it was like prophetic of the next season where I made, you know, probably 30 paintings that, you know, so creative, so joyful, so much exploration and like conceptual like meaning, um, you know, it's just a very rich time. Yeah, and even success as a professional artist. Yeah, like I, I sold a lot. Yeah, and it felt like artistically things really got going. I sold a lot. I had a lot of commissions. And, um, you know, I feel like around the same time, um, I like started making more friends and community felt like it was thriving again. It was like my whole life felt like that... <laughs> like that body of my work at the time. So through all this, like kind of telling your whole story, you've kind of mentioned a few people here and there, especially some of your teachers. Uh, but who would you say 
has inspired you the most in becoming an artist, whether that is like an actual artist that you appreciate and follow either today or from the past or a teacher? Who are kind of those figures that have really helped you throughout this whole journey? Mm, yeah. <sighs> if you're talking like historically, like art, artist from history, I've always said J.M.W. Turner is one of my favorite artists. And you can, like, if you saw a lot of his work and a lot of my work, you probably could see the influence. Yeah, yeah um, I think so. Not Even with the difference. It's just the amount of color that he used and very lively brushwork, brushstrokes, yeah. like a lot of movement. Semi-abstract, actually, um, especially for his time period. Like, he was before the impressionists, but he had a big, I think he had a big influence on the impressionists um, and on like Van Gogh and all of those, like starting to take paint into more of a abstract, re like realistic scenes. Like this is obviously a landscape that he's painting, but fun, energetic brushwork, not just a depiction of the landscape. Would you, yeah. would you agree with that or would you describe yeah. it differently? Yeah, no, definitely. It's interesting also like seeing, um, you know, he would go out painting with other people. And so they do plein air painting and they'd come back with one thing. He'd come back with something totally different. But mm -hmm. then also like those studies that he would do from life, he'd then take into his studio and it'd be completely different again. And just doing that kind of multiple translations created some incredibly powerful and emotional work mm -hmm. that you're right is just so colorful and vibrant yeah especially for his time i don't know almost like visceral yeah especially for his time i mean it was it was ahead of his time like you wouldn't maybe see it now and think wow that's crazy but at the time i think they thought his work was pretty crazy uh, and then I mentioned Taylor and Elizabeth Ross. They were a huge encouragement to me kind of in college and the years after college too, as far as just encouraging me as a person and loving me and, and encouraging my like value in the world and talent, um, and that I could do awesome things. And along those same lines, um, Carl Hudson has been a good friend. He's a um, yeah. older, older than me. <laughs> Him and his wife, Becky, were huge encouragements as far as um, my gifts and specifically my gifts within God's kingdom and how God wanted to use those gifts and be part of like ministering and showing God's love and truth to people hugely impacted my work and what I did with it and my heart in it. Yeah. That's awesome. For just a, a bit of trivia. So when Bethany was thinking about dating me, she took me to go see the Hudson's to see if they approved. And I think they did, but I think Bethany was still scared. So <laughs> it took a little while after that. <laughs> I was definitely nervous about him. We really jumped into dating very quickly after he came back from Europe. And we, we knew each other from college, but we didn't really know each other 
currently, like at that time? Yeah, it was like four or five years past between college and when we started dating later. Yeah. And like some people would think that Carl and Becky are kind of out there spiritually. And I wanted to see what Josh would think of that. Like if he could handle that. Um, (laughs) So it was kind of a test. I passed. He passed. (laughs) (laughs) They were great. It was, it was a lot of fun and very impactful and meaningful and, and good. Yep. Well, I think those are the questions we have. Thanks so much for sharing. I think it's always fun to be uh, reminded of that from my perspective and hopefully from yours as well. So that was awesome. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, there's so much that you can't say in a short podcast, but it's still good to remember just times of encouragement, like times of discouragement and and coming out of that, I was very discouraged in Cersei, but then I ended up loving it and so much happened. So yeah, I definitely yeah. want to remember that in the middle of COVID and still being relatively new <laughs> up in the Northwest, like we don't have a big or deep community established here yet, but so things can happen here. And I, I, I don't want to limit my imagination or my expectation to what things look like right now. During yeah, quarantine. I think that's, yeah, I think that's a really good message for everyone right now of, you know, there's, there's some fear in change and the unknowns, but also just some amazing things and just great things that just realizing that things are not going to stay the same exactly how they are right now. Right. Things will move forward. And if you are faithful in still pursuing whatever you're called to, whatever whatever your purpose is, it's not going to result in nothing. Like you will eventually come mm-hmm. to breakthrough and maybe yeah. yield the best season of, of whatever that thing is for you. Best things could come out of this that you can't even imagine or plan for right now. Yeah. Creatively. Yeah. This could be a really good time. Let yourself brainstorm and explore knowing that you haven't thought of everything yet. Well, again, thank you so much, Bethany, for sharing all that. It was really inspiring and really great. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Okay, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, have a good night or day. (laughs) 